Welcome to Worship with East Brentwood Presbyterian Church, a community church in the greater metropolitan area of Nashville, Tennessee. We are a faith community made up of a loving, welcoming family of believers in honest conversation with God. We seek to emulate the ministry of Jesus through compassionate service with stimulating and relevant exploration of God's Word and by sharing that Word and God's many blessings with our neighbors in Middle Tennessee and around the world. We are honored to share in worship with you today. In this episode, we invite you to take part in a new series we are calling Going Forward by Getting Back to the Stories of Scripture. For the next several weeks, we will hear from a cast of characters from the books of 1 and 2 Samuel and explore the ways they can be guides for us today. As we learn from people on the margins, we learn that something meaningful can be found in broken lives, and we look for where we can find hope, or rather, on whom we can place our hopes. In today's episode, Pastor John Hilly introduces you to Hannah and her song of resilience and audacious faith in God in the midst of hopelessness. So let us prepare our hearts and minds to worship God with prayer. Gracious God, forever seeing us, open our minds to the truth of your care. Open our hearts to the gentle power of your love. Open our lips to share stories of faith and open our lives to do justice and show kindness. Open our mouths to sing boldly and loudly your praises. Draw our heart that we may love what is holy. Amen. So think of today as a kind of repertory theater in this series going forward by getting back to the stories of Scripture. And we're going to hear from Hannah a person from the margins, and I think that she can be a guide for us today. As we hear about her, we remember uh, that these voices are true even today as we learn something meaningful to be found in lives that had been broken, and even as we learn where we can find hope uh, and and in whom we can place our hope. So today you're introduced to Hannah and her Hannah's Song, uh, a song about the resilience and audacious faith in God in the midst of hopelessness. But before we do, it's important to set the stage and understand the time in which she lived and where her story appears in the scriptures. So Hannah's life, I think of it in terms of living during a time of great dysfunction as described within the books of First and Second Samuel, uh, Samuel tells the story of religious and political dysfunction of Israel's transition from the time of Judges to the united monarchy, first with King Saul and then with King David. The books of Samuel describe Israel's demand for a king and the origin of a kingdom. Hannah's story takes place within two other dysfunctions. One is deeply personal, the other familial. Her deeply personal dysfunction? Infertility, childlessness. The primary things we know about her are she is married and she is childless. The text tells us over 
many years her body will not cooperate with her desires. It says that in chapter 1, to conceive and bear a child. The story of Hannah so clearly illustrates the infertility struggle many women and men intimately understand. Last year, I interviewed Kristen Ribble, who had written a book on couples who are facing infertility struggles and who are not parents. And uh, that video you might find helpful. It's in our table of content on our YouTube channel. And I've included the link here in this podcast. Now, if hearing Hannah is childless doesn't cause any concern on your part, it should, because in her time and in her context, childlessness indicated a life fraught with insecurity. Her childlessness is not simply that she has chosen to live without children, as many men and women today may choose to live, but she, in her case and in her time, would most likely outlive her husband, and the responsibility of caring for Hannah would fall to the oldest son. And without a son, Hannah would have no one to support her, and her life would end in extreme poverty. Being married and having a son are the only ways Hannah ensures life is filled for her with care and security. So there's other dysfunctions as well, and it is family dysfunction. It is curious how the purposes of God move forward, and I think our own purposes move forward, not just despite familial dysfunction, but sometimes even because of it. We've got a load of dysfunction in 1 Samuel, and you can see it there in chapter 1 if you want to scan that chapter. Uh, you see it in the shenanigans of Hophni and Penaeus, old uh, Eli's hand-wringing inability. Th- th- those two are his children, and, and Eli is getting old, and he has kind of lost his uh, failure of nerve. He has a failure of nerve in terms of leading and he can't do much about it around his corralling his sons. And, and then uh, Hannah has to deal with the other wife who is married to Ekana. So we turn to chapter 2 and to today's reading, Hannah's story. Many years have now passed since Samuel's birth, and Hannah's song of praise to God has become an important part of her family story. And it will continue to be. Samuel is now the judge of all the tribes of Israel and a renowned prophet of the Lord. And Hannah, now an old woman, is looking back over a life that she knows has been filled with blessing. So let us now hear Lindsay Hines-Brown read the passage, and then I'll come back and highlight some takeaways we've had from studying this text. And then we'll, in a style of a monologue, offer my version of Hannah's song.
Today's scripture, known as Hannah's song, comes from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in my God. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in my victory. There is no holy one like the Lord, no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by Him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble gird on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry are fat with spoil. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to shale and rises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low, but he also exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might does one prevail. The Lord, his adversary, shall be shattered, The Most High will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointed. So what came to your mind as you heard Lindsay read Hannah's song from 1 Samuel 2? Several things surface for us, especially as you go back and read in chapter one of all of the family dysfunction she had to face. One takeaway that we had was that we're flawed vessels and that the work of God emerges from the cracks and fissures of ordinary people and their ordinary, and yes, they're often dysfunctional lives. And even some of the greatest movements of God's plan of salvation happen as the result of people and events that were all things being equal, fairly unhappy and unfortunate. And that's a nice reminder that the plans of God are flat out not going to be thwarted. Not now, not ever, not by us, and not by our sometimes nasty neighbors or crotchety family members. 1 Samuel 1 is this lovely story for lots of reasons. But just behind the loveliness and the lyric nature of God's work are a lot of other things that are quite familiar to us as inhabitants of a broken world filled with people who can make our lives sometimes pretty miserable. We can see ourselves in this picture. And thankfully, the Holy Spirit helps us to see God in our pictures too. One other thing is that you see it in Second, First Samuel 2, verses 4 through 8, 
where God is calling us to take a stand against the hell that so many are living, that Hannah speaks from. Only then will we catch a glimpse of the joy behind Hannah's song, where the bowels of the mighty are broken and God raises up the poor from the dust. Scripture is replete with examples of God drawing leaders out of the most dire circumstances, and yet we must not see Hannah's blessing as being a part of what is for as the exception for what so many people face around the world. It's, it's hell for millions. We ought not to expect to hear songs of exultation from the lips of the oppressed. Hannah's song need not be taken as normative. It's a song of justice. And what's our work towards that? But finally, each of us has struggles. We all have places where we desperately want God to show up and to turn a no into a yes. So I'm going to read Hannah's monologue through the voice of two people. One is a Yongshan Song, a student from Columbia Seminary, and my own adaptation of that. And I'm asking you to think as we hear this monologue. What are those places for you where God needs to show up and turn a no into a yes? Where do you need some of Hannah's audacious faith? We are a people of audacious faith, and we believe in a God who can give the barren woman a child, a God who can breathe life into dry bones, and a God who can roll the stone away. The author Toni Morrison said in her book, Beloved, gather the pieces we are and give them back to us in all the right order. So, now let us hear Hannah's song, adapted from the work of Yongshan Song of Columbia Seminary. My life goes on in endless song, above earth's lamentations, I hear the roll, though far off him. That hails a new creation. Through all the tumult and the strife, I hear its music ringing. It sounds an echo in my soul. How can I keep from singing? It's a day for singing. Every day is a day for singing. My heart rejoices, my horn is raised high. There is no one holy like our God. Ah, I still love to sing that. All these years later, my grandchildren call it the song of Hannah because I am the one who taught it to them. Now they sing it to me. Oh, those sweet voices, my babies and my grandbabies and my Samuel. My Samuel was the prophet in Israel. I lent him to God when he was still a child, and he grew up, and God was with him. His father and I were not. But Samuel is the child that was promised to me, and I promised to give him back. I promised him to God, who heard my cry. My hand was made strong by the hand of the Almighty. There is no one who delivers like our God. The barren woman, she now has two sons. She has seven sons of her own. That's who I was. The barren woman. It's what people called me. They said, I wasn't a good wife. I, if I couldn't produce a child for my husband, maybe he should take another wife instead. 
Penaniah, and I would be folding laundry, and she would ask me over and over again to help her fold her baby's onesies and little outfits. Could you help me, Hannah? She said. Now this is how you fold a child's outfit. I have to tell you because, of course, you have no reason to know, do you? Then she would smile sweetly, flutter her eyes, walk away, and I would be left to grind my teeth before once again bursting into tears. Yeah, they actually said those things. I just wept. I prayed to God to give me my child. Oh, how I wanted a son, an actual son, who would look like me, share the same blood with me. I lay awake at night, imagining his tiny hand holding mine, the weight of him in my arms. I wanted a son, and I wept for years. My husband, he tried to comfort me. He he meant well. Endearingly, he said, Am I not better to you than ten sons? I could have said, You're right, dear. I have so much to be thankful for. I love you. You love me. We surely do have each other, and that's enough. I loved him. But he was not more to me than ten sons, although he wanted to be. No, I wanted my son. No one else. Nothing could take his place. Other women with their sons and daughters, their proud smiles, they had everything. I had nothing. I prayed for years, but nothing, no answer. And then one day, When we went up to the temple, I went in and poured out my soul to God. I poured out my prayers right there where I sat, but I would have poured them out anywhere by that point. I would have prayed into cups of wine and drunk every drop. The priest saw me and he thought I had been drinking, but it wasn't cups of wine. It was just prayer and tears, my song of pain, and it was the only song I had then. But it was the last day I sang it. The priest blessed me, and we went home, and I conceived. I bore a son, my Samuel. He was as perfect as I'd imagined him. For three years, I had him with me at home, close in my arms. I held him and kissed him day and night. And then when he was weaned, we brought him back to the temple to Eli, the priest. I had promised. Oh, my Samuel, he was still so small, but I promised him to God before he was born. We sat in the temple in the same place I'd sat before, and I told him how much I loved him and that I would always be with him. I told Samuel that he would grow into a great man of God because he was the child of promise, God's promise and mine. Before we left that day, I gave Samuel my song, Hannah's song. He knew it by heart already. I had been singing it to him since he was born, but I told him now that it was his to keep so he could sing it himself. The people need this song, I told him. You must sing a song of justice and joy, a redemption 
redemption song. The bow of the mighty is shattered, but the ones who stumble will find their strength. So my little Samuel grew up, and now he is the prophet in Israel. He sings the song where it needs to be heard to the hopeless, to the poor, to the barren. And God lets none of his words fall to the ground, not one. Isn't it lovely how long this song has lasted over time? So won't you help to sing the songs of freedom? Because all I've ever known, redemption songs, redemption songs, redemption songs. Thank you for joining us for episode four of our worship podcast at East Brentwood Presbyterian Church located in Nashville, Tennessee. So glad that you were with us and hope that you found something helpful as Nate Strasser, our music director, Lindsay Hines-Brown, our director of faith formation, and me, John Hilly, pastor here, uh, shared some of the stories from the past to help us as we guide our way through the present and the future. If you'd like to support what we're doing, you can find us at ebpctn.org and ways to support us through um, your giving, and we'd love to have your participation. So go in peace to love and to serve.